0: Good afternoon! Welcome to Honey in the Rock, your daily dose of inspiration and encouragement. we look forward to having you on the show. Thanks for joining us. This afternoon's episode is titled, Flee Out of the Midst of Babylon. It shall be focused on a study of Jeremiah chapter 51 and 52. Before we go any further, we begin with the word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for Thy grace. Help us, Father, to flee out of the midst of Babylon for the judgment that You shall bring. For You said, Come out of her, my people. So we recognize all the confusion of man mixing Your your word with their own ideas and their own theologies. And we say, Father, even so, come, Lord Jesus, and take us out of this confusion. But we thank Thee that You said it shall be light in the evening time that you've given us a light to shine through all this darkness, that we might know the truth of your word. May you continue to minister to our hearts. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Up next, we shall listen to Jeremiah chapter 51 and 52.
1: Jeremiah 51 Thus saith the Lord, Behold... I will raise up against Babylon, and against them that dwell in the midst of them that rise up against me, a destroying wind, and will send unto Babylon fanners that shall fan her, and shall empty her land. For in the day of trouble they shall be against her round about. Against him that bendeth let the archer bend his bow, and against him that lifteth himself up in his brigadine, and spare ye not her young men, destroy ye utterly all her hosts. Thus the slain shall fall in the land of the Chaldeans, and they that are thrust through in her streets. For Israel hath not been forsaken, nor Judah of his God of the Lord of hosts. Though their land was filled with sin against the Holy One of Israel, flee out of the midst of Babylon, and deliver every man his soul. Be not cut off in her iniquity, for this is the time of the Lord's vengeance. He will render unto her a recompense. Babylon hath been a golden cup in the Lord's hand, that made all the earth drunken. The nations have drunken of her wine, therefore the nations are mad. Babylon is suddenly fallen and destroyed. Howl for her, take balm for her pain, if so be she may be healed. We would have healed Babylon, but she is not healed. Forsake her, and let us go every one into his own country, for her judgment reacheth unto heaven and is lifted up even to the skies. The Lord hath brought forth our righteousness. Come, and let us declare in Zion the work of the Lord our God. Make bright the arrows, gather the shields. The Lord hath raised up the spirit of the kings of the Medes for his devices against Babylon to destroy it, because it is the vengeance of the Lord, the vengeance of his temple. Set up the standard upon the walls of Babylon. Make the watch strong. Set up the watchmen, prepare the ambushes, for the Lord hath both devised and done that which he spake against the inhabitants of Babylon. O thou that dwellest upon many waters, abundant in treasures, thine end is come, and the measure of thy covetousness. The Lord of hosts hath sworn by himself, saying, Surely I will fill thee with men, as with caterpillars, and they shall lift up a shout against thee. He hath made the earth by his power, he hath established the world by his wisdom, and hath stretched out the heaven by his understanding. When he uttereth his voice, there is a multitude of waters in the heavens, and he causeth the vapours to ascend from the ends of the earth. He maketh lightnings with rain, and bringeth forth the wind out of his treasures. Every man is brutish by his knowledge, every founder is confounded by the graven image. For his molten image is falsehood, and there is no breath in them. They are vanity, the work of errors. In the time of their visitation they shall perish. The portion of Jacob is not like them, for he is the former of all things, and Israel is the rod of his inheritance. The Lord of hosts is his name. Thou art my battle axe and weapons of war. For with thee will I break in pieces the nations, and with thee will I destroy kingdoms, and with thee will I break in pieces the horse and his rider, and with thee will I break in pieces the chariot and his rider. With thee also will I break in pieces man and woman, and with thee will I break in pieces old and young, and with thee will I break in pieces the young man and the maid. I will also break in pieces with thee the shepherd and his flock, and with thee will I break in pieces the husbandman and his yoke of oxen, And with thee will I break in pieces captains and rulers, and I will render unto Babylon and to all the inhabitants of Chaldea all their evil that they have done in Zion in your sight, saith the Lord. Behold, I am against thee, O destroying mountain, saith the Lord, which destroyest all the earth. And I will stretch out mine hand upon thee, and roll thee down from the rocks, and will make thee a burnt mountain." And they shall not take of thee a stone for a corner, nor a stone for foundations. But thou shalt be desolate forever, saith the Lord. Set ye up a standard in the land, blow the trumpet among the nations, prepare the nations against her, call together against her the kingdoms of Ararat, Minai, Ashkenaz, appoint a captain against her, cause the horses to come up as the rough caterpillars. Prepare against other nations with the kings of the Medes, the captains thereof, and all the rulers thereof, and all the land of his dominion. And the land shall tremble and sorrow. For every purpose of the Lord shall be performed against Babylon, to make the land of Babylon a desolation without an inhabitant. The mighty men of Babylon have forborne to fight. They have remained in their holds. Their might hath failed. They became as women, They have burned her dwelling places, her bars are broken. One post shall run to meet another, and one messenger to meet another, to show the king of Babylon that his city is taken at one end, and that the passages are stopped, and the reeds they have burned with fire, and the men of war are affrighted. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, The daughter of Babylon is like a threshing floor, It is time to thresh her. Yet a little while, and the time of her harvest shall come. Nebuchadrezzar, the king of Babylon, hath devoured me. He hath crushed me. He hath made me an empty vessel. He hath swallowed me up like a dragon. He hath filled his belly with my delicates. He hath cast me out. The violence done to me and to my flesh be upon Babylon. Shall the inhabitant of Zion say, and my blood upon the inhabitants of Chaldea shall Jerusalem say. Therefore thus saith the Lord, behold, I will plead thy cause and take vengeance for thee. And I'll dry up her sea and make her springs dry. And Babylon shall become heaps, a dwelling place for dragons, an astonishment and an hissing without an inhabitant. They shall roar together like lions. They shall yell as lions whelps. In their heat I will make their feasts, and I will make them drunken, that they may rejoice, and sleep a perpetual sleep, and not wake, saith the Lord. I will bring them down like lambs to the slaughter, like rams with he-goats. How is Shishak taken, and how is the praise of the whole earth surprised? How is Babylon become an astonishment among the nations? The sea is come up upon Babylon. She is covered with the multitude of the waves thereof. A cities are a desolation, a dry land and a wilderness, a land wherein no man dwelleth. Neither doth any son of man pass thereby. And I will punish Bel and Babylon, and I will bring forth out of his mouth that which he hath swallowed up, and the nation shall not flow together any more unto him, yea, the wall of Babylon shall fall. My people, go ye out of the midst of her. And deliver ye every man his soul from the fierce anger of the Lord. And lest your heart faint, and ye fear for the rumor that shall be heard in the land. A rumor shall both come one year, and after that in another year shall come a rumor and violence in the land, ruler against ruler. Therefore behold, the days come that I will do judgment upon the graven images of Babylon, and her whole land shall be confounded and all her slain shall fall in the midst of her. Then the heaven and the earth and all that is therein shall sing for Babylon, for the spoilers shall come unto her from the north, saith the Lord. As Babylon hath caused the slain of Israel to fall, so at Babylon shall fall the slain of all the earth. Ye that have escaped the sword, go away, stand not still. Remember the Lord afar off, and let Jerusalem come into your mind. We are confounded because we have heard reproach. Shame hath covered our faces. For strangers are come into the sanctuaries of the Lord's house. Wherefore, behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will do judgment upon her graven images, and through all her land the wounded shall groan. Though Babylon should mount up to heaven, and though she should fortify the height of her strength, yet from me shall spoilers come unto her, saith the Lord. A sound of a cry cometh from Babylon, and great destruction from the land of the Chaldeans. Because the Lord hath spoiled Babylon, and destroyed out of her the great voice, when her waves do roar like great waters, a noise of their voice is uttered. Because the spoiler is come upon her, even upon Babylon, and her mighty men are taken, every one of their bows is broken, For the Lord God of recompenses shall surely requite. And I will make drunk her princes, and her wise men, her captains, and her rulers, and her mighty men. And they shall sleep a perpetual sleep, and not wake, saith the king, whose name is the Lord of hosts. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, The broad walls of Babylon shall be utterly broken, and her high gates shall be burned with fire, and the people shall labor in vain, and the folk in the fire, and they shall be weary. The word which Jeremiah the prophet commanded Saraiah, the son of Neraiah, the son of Marseiah, when he went with Zedekiah the king of Judah into Babylon in the fourth year of his reign, and this, Saraiah, was a quiet prince. So Jeremiah wrote in a book all the evil that should come upon Babylon, even all these words that are written against Babylon. And Jeremiah said to Saraiah, When thou comest to Babylon, and shalt see, and shalt read all these words, then shalt thou say, O Lord, thou hast spoken against this place to cut it off, that none shall remain in it, neither man nor beast, but that it shall be desolate for ever. And it shall be, when thou hast made an end of reading this book, that thou shalt bind a stone to it, and cast it into the midst of Euphrates. And thou shalt say, Thus shall Babylon sink, and shall not rise from the evil that I will bring upon her, and they shall be weary. Thus far are the words of Jeremiah. Jeremiah 52 Zedekiah was one and twenty years old when he began to reign, and he reigned eleven years in Jerusalem, and his mother's name was Hamutal, the daughter of Jeremiah of Libna, And he did that which was evil in the eyes of the Lord, according to all that Jehoiakim had done. For through the anger of the Lord it came to pass in Jerusalem and Judah, till he had cast them out from his presence that Zedekiah rebelled against the king of Babylon. And it came to pass in the ninth year of his reign, in the tenth month, in the tenth day of the month, that Nebuchadrezzar king of Babylon came, he and all his army, against Jerusalem, and pitched against it and built forts against it round about. So the city was besieged unto the eleventh year of king Zedekiah. And in the fourth month in the day of the month, the famine was sore in the city, so that there was no bread for the people of the land. Then the city was broken up, and all the men of war fled, and went forth out of the city by night by the way of the gate between the two walls, which was by the king's garden, Now the Chaldeans were by the city round about, and they went by the way of the plain. But the army of the Chaldeans pursued after the king, and overtook Zedekiah in the plains of Jericho, and all his army was scattered from him. Then they took the king and carried him up unto the king of Babylon to Riblah in the land of Hamath, where he gave judgment upon him. And the king of Babylon slew the sons of Zedekiah before his eyes. He slew also all the princes of Judah in Riblah, then he put out the eyes of Zedekiah and the king of Babylon bound him in chains and carried him to Babylon and put him in prison till the day of his death now in the fifth month in the 10th day of the month which was the 19th year of Nebuchadrezzar king of Babylon came Nebuzadan, captain of the guard which served the king of Babylon into Jerusalem and burned the house of the Lord and the king's house and all the houses of Jerusalem and all the houses of the great men burned he with fire. And all the army of the Chaldeans that were with the captain of the guard brake down all the walls of Jerusalem round about. Then Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, carried away captive certain of the poor of the people, and the residue of the people that remained in the city, and those that fell away that fell to the king of Babylon, and the rest of the multitude. But Nebuzaradan the captain of the guard left certain of the poor of the land for vine dressers and for husbandmen. Also the pillars of brass that were in the house of the Lord and the bases and the brazen sea that was in the house of the Lord the Chaldeans broke and carried all the brass of them to Babylon the cauldrons also and the shovels and the snuffers and the bowls and the spoons and all the vessels of brass wherewith they ministered took their way, and the basins, and the firepans, and the bowls, and the cauldrons, and the candlesticks, and the spoons, and the cups, that which was of gold in gold, and that which was of silver in silver, took the captain of the guard away. The two pillars, one sea, and twelve brazen bulls that were under the bases which King Solomon had made in the house of the Lord, the brass of all these vessels, was without weight. And concerning the pillars, the height of one pillar was eighteen cubits, and the fillet of twelve cubits did compass it, and the thickness thereof was four fingers. It was hollow, and the chapiter of brass was upon it, and the height of one chapiter was five cubits, with network and pomegranates upon the chapiters round about, all of brass. The second pillar also and the pomegranates were like unto these. And there were ninety and six pomegranates on a side, and all the pomegranates upon the network were an hundred round about. And the captain of the guard took Saraiah the chief priest, and Zephaniah the second priest, and the three keepers of the door. He took also out of the city an eunuch which had the charge of the men of war, and seven men of them that were near the king's person which were found in the city, and the principal scribe of the host, who mustered the people of the land." and threescore men of the people of the land that were found in the midst of the city. So Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, took them and brought them to the king of Babylon, to Riblah. And the king of Babylon smote them and put them to death in Riblah, in the land of Hamath. Thus Judah was carried away captive out of his own land. This is the people whom Nebuchadrezzar carried away captive in the seventh year. 3,000 Jews, and 3 and 20. In the 18th year of Nebuchadrezzar, he carried away captive from Jerusalem 830 and 2 persons. In the 3 and 20th year of Nebuchadrezzar, Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, carried away captive of the Jews 740 and 5 persons. All the persons were 4,600. And it came to pass... In the seventh and thirtieth year of the captivity of Jehoiachin, king of Judah, in the twelfth month, in the five and twentieth day of the month, that Evil-Merodach, king of Babylon, in the first year of his reign, lifted up the head of Jehoiachin, king of Judah, and brought him forth out of prison, and spake kindly unto him, and set his throne above the throne of the kings that were with him in Babylon and changed his prison garments, and he did continually eat bread before him all the days of his life. And for his diet, there was a continual diet given him of the king of Babylon, every day a portion, until the day of his death, all the days of his life.
0: Up next, we shall listen to a sermon by Reverend William Branham, titled, the handwriting on the wall. This was preached in 1958 on January the 8th. We'll begin at paragraph 7 up to paragraph 108. I trust you find it to be a blessing.
2: Now, Babylon was founded by a man named Nimrod, who was a son of Ham, a very evil man. And Babylon was once the capital of the world. When this great city was built, there all the little cities all around it paid tribute, taxes and so forth, to this great city, Babylon. And in there, if you'll read in some of the ancient books, such as Hosseth's 2 Babylon's and many of the ancient histories you'll find that they had all kinds of curious doctrines in there. They had a woman in there, I can't call her name at this time, and she would find peculiar roots and out of the earth and make gods out of them. It's believed that that was the gods that Jacob took from his father-in-law, some of those gods of roots and so forth, just little isms that out of them things sprung these cults that we see in the world today if you'll notice the nature of them. And the nature of these things today, it's the same nature. So Babylon sat just in that great fertile valley there, and it was surrounded and irrigated by the Euphrates River and the Tigris, and it was a great agricultural center. And Babylon was a great city. And it's approximately about 120 miles around the city, 30 miles each side. That would make it uh, 120 miles around. They say that the streets in the city of Babylon were some 200 feet across. The walls were 80 foot thick and practically 200 feet high. They could run chariot races around these walls with the chariots. And the gates were made out of brass, and those gates then would be 200 feet across. And right in the center of the city sat the palace, and the palace was the throne. And through the center of the city came the great river Euphrates. If you'll notice it, it's the city of the devil for it's designed after the city of God as a river of life before the throne. And in this city, they had great swinging gardens off the walls around. And it was such a great, mighty nation at the time until it had quit the known world All the world was paying tribute. It had progressed further in science, and it had the latest things that science could produce. It had the latest chariots, the latest designs, the most powerful armors, and best of metals. It was an outstanding to the rest of the world. And then Inside these walls, where King Belteshazzar was king during the time of this event that we're speaking on tonight, King Belteshazzar, which the Bible says, Nebuchadnezzar, which was his father, but truly it was his grandfather, that he succeeded King Nebuchadnezzar. And many of you remember that Nebuchadnezzar was the beginning of the Gentile kingdoms, the head of gold. And he had went up into Jerusalem many, many miles away and had captured the Jews and brought them down into his kingdom and made them slaves. And they used their scientists and so forth, just like Russia did when it went into Germany. And that's why they got the atomic bomb and so forth. They got those German scientists. That's why they're so far advanced today. They captured them and took them back up there. Themselves, they didn't have it. But they went and got those things, just like Nebuchadnezzar did the Jews. And we find out that during this time there was a righteous man by the name of Daniel, a prophet of the Lord was taken in captivity at the time. He had served as a prince over all of the astrologers and so forth, and the wise men and the magi in the reign of King Nebuchadnezzar. And now Belteshazzar had taken over. Belteshazzar was a wicked sort of a man. He just didn't care. And then all the people of Babylon, with uh, such a security as they felt they had, once inside those gates, and the gates closed with two hundred-foot walls, eighty-foot thick. Just think of how secure they must have felt in those walls. But just remember this. No matter how secure that science has made you, God will find you out when you sin. There is only one security, and that's in Christ Jesus. Now as they felt their great importance of being the leading nation of the world, a very typical modern civilization just like the one that we live in, this fabulous America. And I'm kindly disturbed myself that I'm afraid we're taking the same attitude that they took, that we feel because that we have got what we think the best scientists and the best machine guns and the atomic bombs and the fastest planes and We have tried being the leading nation of the world. We have somehow felt our safety without God. It's a very beautiful pattern. And God never changes. His attitude towards sin is the same today as it was then. And there's no hiding place down here. Only in Christ are you secure. And in this great city, as they felt there was no way in the world for an army ever to invade that city, the great high walls and their modern equipment and they were blocked off from the outside world but little did they know that a wicked nation called the Medes and Persians which are now are the Hindus of India how little did they know that many miles away was digging a river bed to turn the Euphrates river so that they could march under the walls. When they felt they were secured, all the time they felt that way, if they did feel that, then they went waiting in sin. It seems like that when man gets to the place that he feels that he's self-sufficient, sin begins to take a hold of him. The church, the nation, the individual that feels that he doesn't need any help from outside, sin begins to reign in. That is true. And we would notice, too, that when people begin to feel that superior feeling, usually sin sets in and cankers them. So, when they closed those doors, they thought they were safe, but God looks down from the heavens, and sin is a reproach to any nation. I wonder tonight, with all of our great equipment and our atomic-controlled submarines and our jet planes that fly many hundreds. Miles per second that even a minute that can even pass the sound barrier, but never forget, but what your sins will find you out. And in this time, they had closed the gates, and they thought they would could just live in reverie as they wanted to, because they were protected. They were the leading nation. All the other nations looked to them for science and for for help. And so on such a time as that, there was this king thought he would have him a great big time. And he set a date that he was going to have a great big dance or, as I would say, a modern rock and roll. No more to it. And so he set the time and he invited all the celebrity, all of the soldiers and the captains, and all of the wives and the concubines. Now, a concubine is just a legal prostitute. And do you see when man feels self-sufficient that he starts waiting in sin, and he called in the best liquors that he could find for this great rock and roll party that he was going to have. He thought he was safe. He thought there was nothing could harm him, because he was safe, and he had this great free in one of these gardens just behind the palace. And while out there in the garden, perhaps they had decorated it all up real pretty, all the tinsel hanging, and got all of the showgirls and many of the women to come to entertain the soldiers and their beer and their wines. If that isn't a good modern setup of a rock and roll party today, I don't know where one would be. It's exactly. And they got everything ready, and they were going to have a big time. And no doubt for what, many married women came. Their husbands was left at home as babysitters while they went out to have a good time. And vice versa, no doubt a mother walked the floor with a sick baby while a drunken husband went out to have a big time. It's just six of one and half a dozen of the other. And I can see them as they begin to drink and to have a big time. And I'd imagine they really Struck up the band and had the music, and the little teenagers swinging one another, and the soldiers drunk, grabbing the women and throwing them over their heads and kissing them and sitting down in the chairs and and thinking they were safe. Oh, America, the God that looked down on that drunken rock-and-roll party is looking on you tonight. And what a time they must have been having. And I can imagine this year King, Balthasar, was a modern Elvis Presley. He could do a lot of their fantastics that they had. And all of their carrying on and not knowing all the time that death laid at the door. So as the party got into good swing, usually just about like a great setting of a modern Hollywood telecast, they thought they would crack some good jokes about religion. About like an Arthur Godfrey outfit or something like that, modern today, or some Ernie Ford pea picker, cracked some kind of a joke about the preacher. But God still looks down from heaven. But they thought they lived in such a nation that it could not be touched. But you reap what you sow. Just. Be aware of that, people. Whether you are a nation or a church or an individual, you reap what you sow. And while I can see this king stand up and said, Just a minute, girls. Let's have a good religious joke on the preacher and so forth. And all the tinsel of flying and... The young lady saying, be Yes, I believe we'd like to hear that." And the young soldiers are carrying on like the teenagers of the day. But this is no more than a modern Babylon. I'm an American, but so did Daniel Brong in Babylon at that time. But that don't excuse sin. Said to a girl one time, "Are you a Christian?" She said, i give you to understand, I am an American. I said, that don't speak nothing. Not at all. I'm glad to be an American, but that has nothing to do to reflect Christianity. Not a thing. If we sin, we're going to pay for our sins. Just be it assured to you. They had a prophet there but they wouldn't listen. They had the message, but they wanted to make fun of it. If that isn't modern America, I don't know it. They got the gospel, the truth, but they liked to make fun of it. So they said, Let us go down and get them holy roller vessels and bring them up here and have a good joke out of it. God doesn't permit sinners to make fun of his people. You'll pay for it someday. And they go get the vessels of the Lord and bring them up into the temple and they're going to have a good drink out of the vessels of the Lord. And when they poured their Earl's 92 or Pap's Blue Ribbon into it to have a good joke out of it, oh, they tipped the glasses and the vessels and began to drink and laugh and make fun of the religion of the Lord. They were ignorant of what they were doing. And so is this nation tonight. Ignorant of rejecting the message of the Lord Jesus Christ in the baptism of the Holy Spirit and being born again. Though they were religious. Now, that drunken party of rock and rolls, they were religious. Because the Bible said that they praised their gods so you can be ever so religious and still be wrong. It's right. It's not the sincerity. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof is a way of death. So they had a great state church and a religion that they could serve, and they made fun of the holy things of God. That's... Very typical of today, making fun of the holy things of God. They call the people that try to live clean and decent and upright, they call them old fashioned or holy roller or some kind of a scandalous name. And they call the gifts of the Lord. That he's performing the working of an unclean spirit, like a fortune teller or a devil. Oh, how can you escape judgment? The blood of the martyrs call against it. If God doesn't judge this nation for its modern sin. He'll have to raise up Sodom and Gomorrah and apologize to him for destroying them. Right. We are bound for judgment. And these great wonders that you see our blessed Savior doing, they are warning signs that judgment is at hand. And she's combed this nation from side to side from east to west, from north to south. And they spin it, laugh at it, criticize it, write it up in their papers as nonsense. Think of it, modern Babylon. Now, while they were drinking, tipping their cups and drinking, all of a sudden when this great movie Playboy by the name of Balthasar was just about ready to take a drink from his cup. His eyes seemed to bulge out as he turned and looked towards the castle, for he saw coming from heaven the hand of a man. And it began to write up and down on the wall I want you to notice it wrote on the plaster now perhaps the candlesticks were setting out from their tinsel where they were having their modern rock and roll and the lights was flickering against the wall God doesn't do things in a corner it's right out under the lights where God speaks and moves. So his supernatural handwriting was on the plaster of the wall inside of them all. And the king must have saw it first, this modern jokester, good radio comedian, television actor. As he tipped the glass to drink or the cup, what he had in his hands, his eyes bulged out, and he felt all shook up. I'd imagine he did. The Bible said that his bones come loose out of joint. He surely was all shook up, sure enough. God begins to show his signs, it's time to get shook up. That's right. And as he noticed his rock and roll song that made him shook up, and then as he noticed this handwriting on the wall, I can imagine the little missus with her lips painted about like, I don't know what. And in her hair all tinseled up and flinging around and with these drunken soldiers, said, wonder what's the matter with the boy tonight. And as she cupped and some young man grabbed her and said, all right, let's dance this next one together, and the music stopped, oh, this great sinful nation. Sometimes your rock and rolls are going to stop. If you won't listen to the voice of a preacher, you will listen to the hand of God in judgment someday. But the rock and roll will stop just the same as the bands did and played Near My God to Thee on the Titanic. Someday you're going to change that tune. And the music stopped. And they noticed their jokester, their their star on the television cast. And he was standing, his knees beating together, as he looked and seen this great thing taking place. Why, he says, all the walls are closed around. I have my guard standing at the gate, my choice man. But you see, God don't have to come in at the gate the way you think. He comes down from glory, and his hand was writing on the wall. And quickly, being in a very modern place, the Bible said he called in all of his soothsayers, astronomers, all the bishops, the doctors and the popes and the cardinals and so forth, and said, Now I tell you, gentlemen. I've given you the privilege to preach and to do what you wanted to do. Now interpret for me that on the wall." But just as it was then, so is it now. They wasn't used to the supernatural. They know nothing about it. They didn't know how to interpret unknown tongues. They know nothing about a heavenly language. And they were dumbfounded they know nothing about it. And as they all stood there, remember, this is the bringing in of the Gentile kingdom. And as it come in under the supernatural, it'll go out under the supernatural. But these bishops and cardinals and great doctors could not interpret the supernatural. they know nothing about it. They looked through all their books of art and they could not find nothing that would compare with that. You see, spiritual things are spiritually understood. And then they were all disturbed and they didn't know what to do. And finally, a little queen Remember, she wasn't at the rock and roll party, and the only way that she knew something was going on, word came to her that the king was all shook up, and the party had stopped. She would beg one of the good believers, and somehow or another, she had been one who had not forgotten. She rushed into the party. And as she seen the modern jokester all shook up and all of his band, she said, Oh, King, live forever. But he didn't know he was dead right then. Said, Live forever. I know you're all bothered about that handwriting on the wall. And I see the Pope and the bishops and the cardinals and the doctors of divinity, and none of them can read it. But, oh, King, let me tell you something. There is a man in your kingdom that knows about supernatural. Oh, brother, when we see the handwriting on the wall today, but there is a man. Who knows about it? You might have went to every doctor's office in the city, and they told you you've got to die, but there is a man. You may have weighed in sin until your soul is as black as the smutty walls of hell, and you're ready to commit suicide without a hope, but there is a man, and his name is Jesus. He knows the supernatural, and he's in our kingdom, for we are the children of his kingdom. There is a man said he knows the supernatural. Four years ago, they found the Spirit of God in him, and he had an excellent spirit. He could interpret dreams. He saw visions, and every one of them was just exactly right. So don't be troubled, just give me a few minutes and I'll get him here. There'll be one day you'll call on him. You might not have no room for him in your house. You're too busy watching television, playing cards, drinking beer, attending rock and roll parties. But there's one time you're going to call on him. That's right. And so Daniel was brought in. And as he was brought in, a preacher of righteousness, a man of God. I couldn't imagine a man of God living in such a place as that unless he had called out against it. But you see, the king had paid no attention to it. That's the reason he was in the condition that he was in. And they brought Daniel, and he said, What can't your popes and doctors interpret for you? They had nothing to interpret with. So then what taking place? Daniel said, Oh Balthasar. You know all these things, they're not hid from you. And I say to America, I wish I could make them at this minute hear my voice. You're not ignorant to all these things. As the nations before have sinned and done what we have done, we are weighed in the balance and found wanting. What happened to France? What happened to Germany? What happened to the other nations who went wine women and big time? It always comes out that way. And we are not immune from judgment. God is just. And he said, your father, how God made him a great nation. But he forgot it. And he'd done the same things that you were doing, and God turned him into a wild beast. He said, you're aware of these things, and then you take his holy vessels and make fun of them. Notice, he said, the writing has been set on the wall, and this time your kingdom is numbered. In other words, looky here, fella, your days are numbered. Your kingdom is taken from you, and give over to another nation, a brutal, godless nation, one that's as bad as they are. God makes sin fight sin. I wonder today, right at that same time, may I say first, when he was standing there watching that writing on the wall. Little did he know that right under the gates, right then, the guards had been killed. And the soldiers were in the streets slaying the palace guards. They were on the steps, and those women standing there, away from their babies, away from their husbands and husbands from their wives, all drunk up. Listen to some kind of a modern dancing carry-on, and the soldiers was on the steps. And a few minutes, the king would be cut down. All that drunken bunch of men would be cut down by an atheotic, devil-possessed nation, and the women would have their clothes stripped off of them, young girls and all, and ravished in the street then picked up by the heels and burst their heads around the walls, chopped them open after they had lived with them in lust. Mad, drunken soldiers. It was at the door, for they were weighed in the balance and town wanting. And I wonder today, and all of our modern going on, all the laughing and making fun of healing services laughing and making fun of the Church of the Living God, and going on as the Bible said they would do, heady, high-minded, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. I wonder in this day, when we think we're so secured, and all of a sudden we find out that Russia is five years ahead of us in science, we've been to too many parties. We've weighed too much in sin. The church is so asleep, it don't care for prayer meetings no more. They're unconcerned. They too put a voice in against the real, true spirit of the living God. They won't have them. They're so denominational, so dressed up. They have no time for prayer meetings or are televisions and picture shows and gadding around on their drunken parties and things. That's true. That may sound old-fashioned, but it's what the nation needs today. There's too much sissing around with the gospel with rubber gloves on. It's got to be handled barehanded by the Holy Spirit. Truly. Billy Grimm said about a week or two ago in one of his messages, said, this nation can become a satellite to Russia any time Russia desires. Where are we at? You buy Elvis Presley's records and stay home from church to hear we love Susie one of these days. You're weighed in the balance and found wanting what's happened. There's a handwriting on the wall. The Russians put up a Sputnik that we can control nothing about it. 500 miles off of the earth. And could put a half a dozen of them over the United States in the next 30 minutes and call in and say surrender or be a bunch of ashes in a few minutes. They can do it. There isn't nothing that we can do to stop them. It's in their hands. A bloodless, heartless, ungodly communist. That's what God uses to make sin come to life. It certainly is. If you'll read the Bible, Russia's got to do that according to the revelations. All right? You prophecy teachers might differ from that, but just wait till it's over. Russia is put here for that very purpose. The Bible said so. Now, here she is with the spuddy. We tried to fire one the other night. We thought we was going to do just as much as they did. Rose three foot off the ground and fizzled out. Too much rock and roll and sin. We're weighed in the balance and found wanting. God be merciful. What are we going to do? What would happen if they'd send those sputniks up with those missiles and say, Surrender or become a pile of dust in five minutes? Of course our government, to save life, would surrender. That's the only thing they could do. Then what would happen to some of you Americans, all of us in here, not here, but I mean nationally speaking, nationally speaking, you little smart edicts of girls that run along with your little lips painted up like some kind of a rosebud? And would laugh at a preacher on the corner preaching the gospel? And you little teenager that think you've got more gumption and you've got intelligence you control? What's going to happen to you, Papa, that sits home at night with Mama and watches the television, while Junior's in the hot rod and Sis is down at the canteen somewhere and she's down there doing a rock and roll and you're watching the television? And making fun of the gospel, what's going to happen to you, church member? What's going to be your outcome? You may have your name on every book or the biggest church in the city, but unless you're under the security of the blood of the Lord Jesus, you'll perish with those who will perish. There's no hope for you. What's going to happen? There's a Sputnik up there. And what would happen? The nation would surrender, of course. That's the only decent thing the government could do. Then what happens? Wave after wave of shiploads of soldiers, wave after wave of airplanes would land in this nation. The women would be ravished in the streets. What would you do? It belongs to them. Kicked out of your home, they'll take it over. What will happen to you young girls and you young men and all of you at that time? Sin has to be paid for, no matter what nation it is or who it is it does it individually. Our nation, it's going to be paid for. And a bunch of brutal, ungodly, whiskered-jawed, communistic soldiers would grab your wives and ravish them, your young girls, and you would stand and like it. There's nothing you can do about it. What causes that? Because you have listened to such stuff as these television programs on rock and roll and sin and some cold formal preacher not able to interpret the supernatural, the handwriting's on the wall. Why right, we are weighed in the balance and found wanting. When could that take place? Before daylight in the morning. Who's going to stop it? Try. The Bible says it will happen, Well let me tell you, that will never touch the Church of the Living God. We'll be gone by that time. So, friend, listen. If that thing is so close and we see the handwriting on the wall, there's nothing can stop this thing from happening now. America's been preached to, the supernatural's been done, and continually they wade right on over the top of it. Go to a country somewhere and hold a revival and have forty converts in a week and go back in six weeks, you don't have four. The old pond has been saved right. God just has so many he's elected. And when the last one's in, that closes the door, and it's over then there's nothing left but judgment when mercy has been spurned. Here we are at the end of the road. The supernatural is being done. It's been laughed at and made fun of. And the last thing, God has come in His own power and His own beloved Son to work through His church, and they say it's spiritualism or the devil. What else can be left but judgment? And here's a handwriting on the wall. But if that is that close, And any teacher knows that the church goes in the rapture before the tribulation sets in. So if that is that close could happen before morning, what about the rapture? It's closer than that. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. The coming of the Lord is at hand. The writing is written. And it is written in the Bible, and we're living to see it. Will you, by the persuasion of my voice, receive Jesus Christ this hour? Repent and be baptized, said Peter, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promises to you and to your children, and to them that's far off. Or there's not another name given under heaven among men whereby ye must be saved. Unless you're Christ, you can be Methodist, Baptist, Pentecostal, Nazarene, Catholic. You're lost until you become of Christ. And Christ comes into you. It's the new birth by the Holy Spirit. Receive him tonight while we pray. With your heads bowed, I just wonder this. How many in here that knows if this great thing would happen? You may go to bed tonight with your wife, and in the morning she'll be gone. You father and mother may kiss your little ones to sleep tonight, and the morning the little bed be empty. And you run down the street to find out what happened to Mrs. Jones. She's gone, too. The rapture is at hand. The Bible is plainly given. And in this meeting, while you have the chances as men of if, if intelligence and women of intelligence, why don't you heed to that call in your heart and say, Lord, God, fill me with that eternal life. Because if your spirit is still an intellectual conception, you're earth bound. But the Spirit of God that comes out of heaven, comes into your heart, and gives you the Holy Spirit in you. When the tribulation comes, the Spirit, Holy Spirit, goes back to its Maker. And you go with it. No matter how religious you are, it won't go unless there's something in there to take you. How many tonight with your heads bowed, when the face of this message would raise your hands to the Christ and say, God, fill me with your Holy Spirit, and if you should come, I want to go with you. Would you raise your hands? God bless you just all over the church, literally two hundred or more hands up in the air. Sinner, friend, if you've never accepted Christ, would you at this time raise your hand and say, Lord Jesus, be merciful to me. God bless you, lady. God bless you over here. You back there. Someone else, just remember me, Lord. God bless you over here, down here. The Lord be with you. Remember me, oh, Lord. My eyes have just been opened. I realize that maybe I've professed to be a Christian for a long time. But I'll never know what it is to be born again. I'll never receive the Holy Spirit. Therefore, except the man be born again, he will in no wise enter into the kingdom, or cannot even see the kingdom. Would you raise your hand and say, Be merciful to me, O Holy Spirit. And when you come for the church, take me. God bless you, lady. But someone else, remember me. Oh, God bless you, sir. God bless you, lady. Remember me, O God. God bless you here, young fella. God bless you over there, lady. Back there, young lady. Back in you, back there, lady. Be merciful to me, O God, when I see the handwritings on the wall. I'm intelligent enough, say, to see that what has been said out of the Bible tonight, that this is a repeat of history. We're at the end. There's nothing can help. The thing that's going to destroy the world is in the hands of sinful man. There's just a few more. You might be the last one that's ordained to come to Christ. When that last one comes, judgment strikes. Like in one thing yet, that might be you. Will you receive him tonight while we wait? Some 20, 30 hands has been up. Now, we have no place here to make an altar call, to bring the people to the Front here because we don't have any place. But I'm going to ask you, surely, oh, be sincere and listen to the voice of warning. Be sincere and ask Christ right where you're sitting Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner, and receive me ere I pass beyond the veil of mercy. Before I Send my day of grace away. Be merciful to me, Lord. And he will do it. Now pray like that while I pray with you. Blessed Lord, we're standing in a terrible condition tonight. As we read your word and know that most any hour the radios could flash, and the rock-and-roll bands that go to singing near my God to Thee. But it's too late then. Judgment is struck. Missiles are pointed at us. Destruction by miles after miles, by tons after tons of of earth-sweeping atomic energies and so forth that would set the whole world afire. And it's in the hands of sinful man. And the Bible said that that's the way it'll happen. And we see the handwriting on the wall, Oh Lord God, I'm insufficient to try to bring a message like this to a people, and I feel how little I am standing here, to try to handle such a subject. But will you forgive me for my part of not being able to do it? somehow, from my heart, I ask you to sink the message the way you would have it into their hearts. For I do see the hour approaching. And be merciful, God, and save each one, and fill them with the Holy Spirit. And may they be your children, divinely wrapped in your goodness, and receive security from the Lord Jesus. For our nation is not secure we thought we were, so did the Babylonian kingdom think so. But all the time there was a wicked nation working. And there's been a wicked nation working until now. We know that they're ahead of us, and we're at their mercy. Lord, the church is at your mercy. They will destroy, but you will take your church. Oh, Lord, take us into your care tonight and bless us for Jesus' sake, and in his name we pray, amen.
0: As we get towards the end of this episode, we'll end with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank Thee as we see the handwriting on the wall, the judgment pronounced to the nations. We say, Father, may You help us escape that. May You fill us with Your Spirit that we might be set on on a journey to the skies. and that we might leave this old world and this old pest house before you send your judgments and tribulations on this earth. We pray, Father, thanking you for all these great promises in your word. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to Honey in the Rock, your daily dose of inspiration and encouragement. We hope to continue to earn your viewership throughout the year as we read the Bible from cover to cover. To make this a better listening experience for you, would really appreciate your feedback. So please email us at honeyintherock2020 at gmail.com. We also have accounts on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So please follow us, share our pages, and subscribe. Now we'll leave you with the parting song. God richly bless you.
2: Snowbell seems like I've been here
0: for